Jim Shoemaker, Steve Anderson, Jason Harrington, and Ted Miner are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boober or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, today we are going to be covering subjects that you have asked us questions about. I want to remind you, too, that you can just simply send us a question to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com, and we promise to get it on the air. Now, again, it's just a question, whatever it is, whatever you're thinking about, you know, we're going through so much change and thoughts and volatility in the market you have questions and i put these guys together and these are the experts they know the answers and i'm privileged to have three very smart i guess smart smart <laughs> it's just better than just smart they're smart smart individuals in the studio with me this morning and it starts let me just go from my right to left steve anderson ted minor and jason harrington and we're going to start with steve and steve you're going to be talking about kind of a market update because there's so much volatility and when you think about volatility it makes us all nervous so talk to me, what's going on and what's the source of all this volatility? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the volatility from the start of the year really to now has kind of been the same thing. You've got uh, the Russia-Ukraine war or military exercise, depending on your persuasion. And that obviously adds uh, a lot of nervousness to the market. Um, and But I, the big thing really continues to be inflation. And, and it's it's it's... You know, when you think about inflation, it's not just that inflation's scary and everything's getting more expensive. It's it's the spillover into the rest of the economy and the Fed raising rates and all of that. So there's a big ripple effect that comes out of this uh, this topic of inflation. I, I think that's really the source of most of the volatility and the nervousness and concern in the market at the moment. Well, you know, I was reading an article recently that talked about inflation and and literally it was done in a re from uh, I believe it was something uh, oh, I can't remember whether it was. Uh, Salary finance. It was talking about you know people with their income and their salaries and 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 if I can put it together in my head, but it's something like seventy five percent of these Americans in February of twenty two said the number one problem, the number one concern they had was inflation, and what it would do to their pocketbook finances. And that makes a lot of sense to me because I can remember back early on in the you know eighties, I was thinking about I wanted to buy a pool table. <laughs> Okay, and I got some serious. I wanted to buy a pool table. I was going to put it up in my game room and, you know, play pool. It was all fun and exciting, and I was pricing it, and I made the decision to buy it in January because I felt like, well, okay, inflation at 7 8%, I mean 9%, 10%. I can't afford it by the time it gets to December for my Christmas present. Yeah. So I bought it and kept it in a box, but I finally bought it out in April and put it together. Well, and, and it's funny you say that because there's a big element to the topic of inflation that inflation is partly 
self self fulfilling prophecy because I mean there is there's there's the actual measurement of inflation with the consumer price index and the PCE inflator and all that. But then there's also exactly what you're talking about. Everybody's worried about inflation. They run out and buy cars. They run and buy homes. They do things quickly. And, of course, what happens? It pushes up prices. So, I mean, it is there is an element of self-fulfilling prophecy. And we absolutely do that as a society until it begins to hurt so much. Yeah that we stop. And that's the problem that so many people face. So when you talk about inflation, put it yeah. together. Here, here's the question that came in, and, and we, we want to answer your questions. Send them to talk money at Shoemaker Financial. But Robin says, I worry, okay? And, and I get that. I understand what she's saying. I yeah. worry. But should I be worried? Yeah. <laughs> and I understood the question. This minute she asked, and, and I thought, okay, this makes a lot of sense. So what would you say to her? Well, so there's a couple of different ways that you could try to tackle that question, I think. So number one, everything's getting more expensive. Should I worry about that? Well, that creates a burden, right? I mean, if everything gets more expensive, then yeah, that creates a burden on the average household in America. So that's, that is a concern. Um, in the grand scheme of things, the worst, I, I, to my knowledge, the worst bout of inflation we had was in the late seventies, early eighties. And, and we got through it and it was, you know, it was rough in periods and patches of time, but we got through it. And and so is this going to be like that? I, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, but um, but there is an actual dollar concern. The other side of it is, and I think maybe this might be what she's asking. I'm trying to read between the lines, but the other side of it is the market. What's going to happen to all my investments? And that's a little bit different question because that's a that's an investment question, not a, you know, consumer price question. And on that one, again, I would say historically, you're going to be okay. It doesn't mean it's not going to be rocky, though. Well, that's a great point to say the word rocky. And I, and I, I hear you, and I I think she's asking both sides of that question. Yeah. Uh, let me introduce Ted Miner and Jason Harrington. Ted, uh, welcome to the program, well, sir. Well, good and to be I, here. And I know you've got something to talk about inflation. I, I do, and I think Stephen— see it on your face. He mentioned a little bit about it, but, uh, you know, it's been—when we think about inflation, we do. We go back 40 years to try to think about when there was a problem with inflation— the United States has really done a very good job over recent history to manage inflation. And so unless you're a certain age, you, you, you haven't dealt with inflation for a while. So it's new to some people. Uh, I'm 65 years old. I think I shared with you in 1981, I had my first mortgage here in Memphis at 15%. And I dealt with that back then. But there's a lot of people that haven't gone through this type of a period of time. So it's it's unknown. It's new. And so it's, uh, it's worrisome yeah. to some people. Worrisome is a big word, and I think that's what she's asking. Should I be worried? So inflation's real. Just to give you everybody, I think it's important just to put this in perspective if we think about it. I mean, inflation can get out of hand. And let me give you the Consumer Price Index, okay? In 1978 was up. I mean, from the standpoint, it was up. Into 9.9% up to 13.3% in 1979. 13.3%. Can we imagine that? But that's not through. Up 12.5% in 1980. Up 8.9%. So there are four years, and then you go to get your home, and you got a mortgage rate of 15%. Mm. But we lived through that, as you said. Mr. Volker did a phenomenal job, and we practiced his principles over and over and over again. So, Steve, when you talk about inflation, inflation is real. Yeah, and, and one thing that 
you know, that you have to remember about this situation is we are in an unprecedented situation. Now, I feel like the last time I was here, I said this, but unprecedented means we have never been through this before. We shut the economy down and told people they couldn't go to work. And so we, we created a, a, a world of different problems that we've never dealt with before. And so the issue with inflation now is that we see nobody could go get their haircut, go get a massage, go consume services for a period of time. And so the services industry just fell apart. And so everybody, it would have been nice if we all saved our money. That would have made a lot of sense. But of course, we just redirected all of our spending and bought goods. And so goods went through the roof. The prices of goods went way up. And so the hope is that goods inflation will ease as services inflation now that everything's open back up, starts to pick back up. And so where we're at is the last reports have shown the last, uh, uh, the last uh, um, CPI report showed us that goods inflation just started to ease, but services inflation was picking up. And so we're at this crossroads. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're, we're hoping that goods inflation eases as service inflation picks up, and then we'll be okay. Yeah, and retail sales for the month of May so far has been up just a tad, just a, not quite a percent, about 90 basis points. Consumer, you know, the sentiment from the consumers, yeah. University of Michigan, they said, you know, down just a little bit. So I think you're right. There's a, We're kind of in that crossroads, straddling the fence mindset. The summer should see inflation. Most people are saying inflation should begin to peak and come down in the summer. But let me ask this question. I mean, when you think about it, what's next Okay, you know, for us, if inflation, if we got inflation going on with what's happening now, what should we be doing? I know Jason's going to show us in the second of the third part of the program, talk about how to build our portfolio from our 401k plan, structuring an investment plan. But what do you say when you think about looking at the market? What do you tell them that's what's next? Steve? Yeah, the, the number one, the, the number one piece of advice that we give all of our clients is that you should be planning ahead. And so we should, you should be in the midst of a plan that was already put in place a little while back that you should have a few years worth of distributions, not sitting in the crosshairs of the stock market right now. So if, if you're making withdrawals, you should have three, four, five years of those withdrawals out of harm's way, which allows the market time to come back, which it has, which it has historically always done. And of course the past doesn't predict the future, but it seems to rhyme more times than not. So number one is just not trying to play the timing game. Just make sure you're prepared with enough access, you know, access to enough money that you can let things ride out and, 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 and that's okay. And another thing on that, most, most investors um, have most of their money in funds like mutual funds, ETFs, that kind of thing. Um, and so one thing that's important to remember, I think, is that just because you're not doing anything, selling stuff, you're not making changes, doesn't mean nothing's happening. When we're on the phone with these different managers of funds and all this, they're going through and telling us all the things that they're doing, all the changes they're making. That's why you own a fund. They're making changes. So just because you're not doing something doesn't mean nothing's happening. Well, I think, Steve, that's critical for the for our listing audience to understand. And that's so well said because we manage the managers. We dive in to find out what they're doing, what they're buying, what they're selling, what's their thoughts with the market. And it looks like maybe nothing's going on, but underneath the surface, as you look at the duck going across the water, there's an enormous amount of activity. Underneath That's the a surface. great analogy. It 
it's real, and it's real. And I think that's what we have to think about, and I help our listeners to understand. Don't panic, and I like what you said. But now, again, Robin says, I am not worried. I don't want but but should I worry? Yeah. So what you're saying is be calm, but... If we enter into a recession, and again, that's everybody on everybody's lips today, wasn't so much in January, but what do you say to them? Should we all of a sudden find ourselves in a bear market, 20% yeah. drop, and a recession? Yeah, uh, the best thing you can do if, 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 or the best thing any of us can do if we go into recession is generally sit there and weather the storm. You know, you're, you're saying that, and it's like you repeat yourself. <laughs> I mean, you've said that twice. Okay, now, now why? I mean, you've got the media beat us to death. I mean, noise up to on top of noise, and you guys are professionals. You're a certified financial planner. Well, I'm a certified financial planner. We do this every day, and you're repeating yourself, Steve. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> if you just look at the data, just look at history, right? If you just look at back at history, uh, First Trust is a, a fund company a mutual fund and an ETF provider out there. And they produce um, some, some charts and graphs that you can go get that are great. Um, one of their charts looks, it shows there are 34 corrections dating back to 1980. And uh, the average drop was right under 19%. It was 18.55%, according to Bloomberg. A drop in the for, market. A drop no. in the market, right? Yeah. One year later, on average... Your portfolio would have been up 24.91% if you did nothing. If two years later, it would have been up 37.38%. Historically, you know, or history is on your side if you do nothing. Because remember, you doing nothing doesn't mean nothing's happening. You're allowing your managers to make decisions and make changes. It's it's amazing that there there were only um, there were only three times that one year later out of the 34 three times that you weren't back above where you started, and and so his it, but at the two year mark you were so it's the history is on your side if you just take a deep breath, lose the password to your online login, to your investment account, turn Bloomberg off, quit listening to the news. Hey, it's a political season too. Yeah. You got to remember that. So everything is just, everybody's just on edge and hyped up. Well, I, I heard it said recently that the bottom line is the media is there to to almost excite you. I mean, I, we've done some research where the reality is it's about how many eyeballs can they get, yeah. you know, to, you know, and that's to excite you. And the reality is, I think that's what Robin's saying. I'm, I'm worried, but, but, but do I need to be? And I appreciate what she's saying. And I thank so much for her question. Again, yeah. anybody's got a question for us, people like Steve, they're smart and they know what they, how they put the answers together. Just send them to talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. Talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. Now, Steve, I want to kind of hold on. Don't, don't walk out of here stay here but i want to kind of go to ted because ted the question that we see from people that are on fixed incomes they want to kind of know what's going on with social security last week we had kurt zarnowski mm -hmm. the guy that's you know zarnowski right. consulting talked about social security but i want you to kind of help us understand a little bit about what inflation means to me the the retired individual or expecting to retire my fixed income I got a 401k, but I'm going to have social security. Tell me what 
I should be thinking about with inflation. You know, Jim, I, I have people with Social Security that I work with, and for many, many years before we had inflation, they would argue that they never got an increase. <laughs> and I would have to go back and say, yes, you did. You, I can tell them exactly what they got, but the numbers weren't that big. Well, of course, last year, they got 5.9%, and all of them knew it, you know, because they received that. And, and you know, in my practice, uh, I find Social Security to be, be one of the cornerstones that we deal with when we're doing planning. And uh, this year, uh, they usually, they will look at the third quarter numbers of this year versus last year to determine exactly what type of an increase they'll get next year. And the numbers they're looking at are significantly larger than what they were last year. You know, they're, they're, they're kicking around numbers like 8%, but we won't know until the data comes in for the third quarter of this year. And I've got some that, that have read articles and they're saying, man, we hope inflation's really bad in the third quarter. <laughs> you got a mixed emotion. Going that's on. right. That's you know, right. Oh, it's costing me too much. But let's go inflation. That's right. Because we get that big increase. Yeah. So, so for fixed income, and that is important because pensions don't go up. A lot of annuities, when you've turned on income streams, they don't go up over over 20 years of retirement, 25 years of retirement. But Social Security does have that COLA, and that's very, very important to those people. Let's talk about that. When you do planning with someone, and we all do this, guys. We're all you know working with the clients on a day-to-day basis, and you're thinking through this process. Steve, you're telling them to be calm and do the market. And, you know, and we're going through this process, and, Ted, you're saying, you know, here's what's going to happen with Social Security. And I know Jason's going to help us put together the 401k of what to do when it comes to principles of investing. But but help me mentally. And Ted, I'm talking about how do you plan someone when you're looking at the three-legged stool, their Social Security, their 401k, and then their personal savings. What do you talk about? Well, Social Security is more complex than it should be. And that's because they've, they've added legislation left and right. I think there's 2,700 rules to, to Social Security. And uh, could all, you start quoting those? Could we go through those we'll today? We'll do that right? another, another program. <laughs> Steve's got them written down over here. Okay. So, but uh, but it is, uh, it's one of those things that, first of all, 40% uh, is the average amount that Social Security is to a to the income stream of a retiree. That's from the Social Security website. So Social Security is very, very important in terms of planning, and it is strategic. There are strategies involved when you take it, how do you coordinate it with a uh, with a spouse or even a divorced uh, a divorced spouse, a survivor benefit if you're a widow. There are numerous types of strategies that enhance your income, and there's benefits there. And that's one of the things we want to try to do when we start sitting down with someone. We, first of all, we take the inventory. What do, we, what do they have financially? But, they, but most of them have Social Security, and that's where we start. What is Social Security going to actually mean to that person? How much does it? Most people can't answer that question. Right. They have no idea what their Social Security benefit's going to even be. Uh, so we sit down, we find out exactly how much this is, and most people are very surprised at how much money they're going to collect from Social Security over their lifetime. Wow. It's very, very significant. You know, we just had someone yesterday that we had to go through. His comment, his question was, the market's down. I'm delaying taking Social Security till I get to be 70, wants to maximize it. But because the market's down, he says, should I start my Social Security early now and not take from my, you know, savings or my 401k because it's down so much? And it was a great discussion. And we ran tons of numbers, put all it on the screen for him and helped him make a 
numbers decision. We don't can't make the emotional decision, but we give him data to give him insight to making the thought process a part of a decision making process, one that he could see. But you understand what he's what he's asking? Yes, and and the number one mistake made. This is by the financial services. Uh, they they say the number one mistake people make in retirement is taking Social Security early. That is, that is a common comment. Almost everything you read uh, points to and that. And you could tell that was his struggle. I mean, he said, you know, we've been planning on this. My retirement days, I'm excited. And he, by the way, he's been retired a year and a half. But he's been delaying Social Security because we talked about that. We talked about that particular piece of data and uh, looking at it. And he said, ah, yeah, I, I want to wait. And all the reasons, because he knew that would increase his amount his wife would get should he predecease her because she gets the higher amount. And all the reasons to delay. But all of a sudden, it was that the market's down and I'm having to pull money out of my 401k at this point should i change one of the things that i have uh done jim is it's it's hard it's difficult when you got somebody that's 65 66 62 and you're saying we need to take social security at 70 now there's a 76 percent increase from 62 to 70 and that's not including the colas but what i tell them is you don't have to make a decision whether you're going to take it at 70 today the decision you have to make today is do you want it in 90 days because we can turn it on, and it takes 90 days to turn it on. So let's live this month, let's live next month, and let's not worry about putting this off for four years. But hopefully, month by month by month, we get four years down the road, and we can talk them into turning it on. But they don't have to worry about that. It's a decision they don't have to make today. That's right. That, that's a great That's a great uh, point that you're making there that's subtle, that a big part of an advisor's job is helping you ask the right question. The wrong question Thank is, do you, I take Steve. it now or 70? The right question is now or just later. Well, I think so that's, you, a, that's a great point. I think point, you just Ted. told you you did a good job. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. We're going to come back in just a second. Jason Harris is going to be with us. We're going to talk about how to put your 401k together. Under the fact that we've got recession, maybe Steve's going to talk more about that. Ted Miner is going to talk about the Senior Citizens Inflation Relief Act. You don't want to miss that. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not an investment advice or recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. I want to remind you that uh, if you've got questions for us, send them to Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. And you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to our podcast. And please leave us a review. We would appreciate it. We're talking with Ted Miner. We're talking with Steve Anderson. Coming up in just a few minutes, Jason Harrington. And we're we're just kind of going through these questions that you've asked us. And, of course, that's what we want you to do. Feel free. Send us a question again to Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. Ted, before the break, we talked about the Senior Citizens Inflation Relief Act. Now, I mean, this is a, a kind of it's 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 really very innovative. Introduced a couple of years ago, but it looks to me like we're going to make it law. 
Yes. Most people don't realize it, but if you've uh, if you're below under full retirement age, you're limited as to how much income you can make uh, before they start taking away from your Social Security benefit. All right. Now I want to make sure everybody understands full retirement age. Full retirement age is uh, not when you think it is. No, full retirement age is around 66. This is a different number. Uh, it's up to, it's for for younger people. Uh, 67, between 66 and 67, that's full retirement age, but you can start taking benefits at 62. Right. And this includes, this this uh, Senior Citizens Inflationary Relief Act involves people under full retirement age that are taking Social Security. The government uh, allows you to make $19,560 a year in 2022 before they start taking away from your Social Security benefit. You know, I, I talked to someone yesterday about that, and that was a, that was a number that they had heard, but they didn't know. And you could tell they were about to make a big mistake. They had been given an offer for a job that they kind of wanted to work part-time, but it was going to kick them right over into a cost factor for that. It's very important. Say that number again. Pe- people are people are wanting to take that, that income stream for Social Security, and they want to continue working, and they don't realize that they're limited as to how much money they can make before full retirement age. That number is 19560 Now, this legislation is because of inflation. Inflation has been hard. So what the legislation's out there for is to increase that 19,560 number by $5,000 to raise it so that people can make 24,000 not uh, 24,560 if they're below full retirement age to help them with inflation. Hasn't passed yet, but it's out there. They believe it will be passed. There's also, let me just mention this, there's a similar bill that's HR 6776 that uh, involves health care workers and first responders by allowing their income to not be counted against their Social Security benefit if they, too, are under full retirement age. You know, Ted, I so much appreciate your knowledge because, as you said, and knowing this and helping somebody through this, and I mean, let me just say this to everybody listening. If you need to talk to these guys, Steve or Ted, telephone number or Jason's telephone number is 901-757-5757. Critical, important. I, you know, guys, this getting through the maze of all the things that financial money that you have required to get through as you re- prepare to retire or just to get through the noise of all the media things going on with your 401k and and the investment portfolio is so difficult. That's why we do the show. That's why we're committed to doing it. We're for you and we really want you to understand this is about giving you good, pertinent information to help you make decisions. And Ted, I appreciate what you do. When you're walking through this process with a client, how often do you find that they're just totally confused? And this is stuff that you deal with every day, but the the person that's sitting down with you is just, it's it's a plethora of just amounts of it just 2,700 rules. Well, well <laughs> I remember and, that. And I'll tell you, one of the bad things, Jim, is that where they go for their information. Uh, They've gotten bad information from friends that have done things. And sometimes there's some very special circumstances that an individual has the ability to do. There's some laws out there that people can still, that if they're born before 1954, that they can do that people after 1954 can't do. So uh, it's very, very selective in terms of when you start talking about that benefit, there's a lot of things you have to unwrap to really try to find the maximum benefit for someone in terms of the choice they make for Social Security. 
All right, let's go to this thought question here. We talked about the three-legged stool, Social Security being, as you said, and we're looking at a COLA increase. And if you're on a fixed income, you need to be expecting, anticipating some number. We're talking about 8%, but probably shouldn't be 8%. A number, how do they think through that process? What should they be doing about that? Well, the good thing about taking Social Security is that they cannot take that money. They cannot. They can increase your 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 Part B premiums, so th- that will probably go up some. But they can't take money away from what you're getting beyond the premium. Now, for people like myself that have it turned on income, I might get that increase in my my Social Security benefit for my life for my my lifetime uh, when I turn it on, but. My also my Medicare premiums can go up beyond the eight percent to take that benefit away. If you're on Social Security, they can't do that. I don't know if I'm clear there, but they can't take the full eight percent out of the premium. So you will get a net positive in your checking account. So that's critical. I mean, that's knowing how to work around the not not around the system. That sounded like I was, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I got to be careful with that. Yeah. But but you know what I'm talking around the all the data that comes at somebody is so difficult we you do this we have other people that are specializing in this in the office to help people guide through that again just if you've got a question for ted got a question for steve or for jason 757-5757 area code 901 i want to uh, move to jason because literally guys i mean this is a time-tested principles of long-term investing. And Jason, you do a great job with this. I want to just remind everybody that we have a PDF that's going to be posted to our website in shoemakerfinancial.com. It's called Seven Time-Tested or Seven Principles for Long-Term Investing. It's an outline. It's a, you can download it. It's a PDF. It's free. Doesn't cost you anything. We welcome you to do that. Seven principles of long-term investing and uh, do that. We, we want you to have that because Jason's going to walk us through that process. And Jason, well, thank you for coming to the program today. Appreciate you being here, man. Man, I'm glad to be here. First, let me say, I, you said earlier in the show that this was, you were surrounded by some smart, smart people. Uh, after hearing Ted and Steve talk, I feel like the little brother that got invited to like the big brothers, <laughs> you know, party. I'm not worried. I'm, I'm like, I feel like super complimented to I be mean, around these you guys. Know, I'm like that every day. I come in, sit down and turn the mic on and say, okay, guys, speak. And that's all yeah, I have to do. So, and you're exactly right. Smart people. We we're so so blessed to be around people that know and can spend the time talking with clients and doing what they do best, and that's guiding us through the maze. So let's start with you because I know you do this extremely well. There's these are when we talk about principles. We're looking back and there's so much getting your money to work for you, not to get caught up. As Steve said, don't get caught up in the all the issues and the problems and the, and the emotions. And, and Ted, very clear about t- putting Social Security into it. But what are some of the principles that you want everybody to know, whether it's investing in money to save for a college education fund or a second home, or it's your 401k. What are some of those principles? Let's start with number one. I think one of the first things that people can do, and I think this is a very timely topic given what's going on in the market. And I know Steve has talked a lot about that at the beginning of the show uh, with just the volatility, but the the notion of diversification. And I want to talk about diversification. A lot of people understand the word diversification in this don't put all your eggs in one basket kind of mindset. But I want to talk about diversification around mainly two things. One is the the notion of time diversification. Um, Steve mentioned earlier in the show 
know that, you know, what happens when the market goes down, what happens one year later, two years later, um, it, the market in any one given short period of time is very unpredictable. But the longer you stretch that time horizon out, the more predictable your investment portfolio comes and becomes. And diversification is, is not about uh, guaranteeing return, but it is about making your investment portfolio more predictable from a planning standpoint. And uh, I think that if you just extend the time out, then time diversification can help uh, mitigate a lot of risk in your portfolio. Yeah, Jason, I've actually got a, a chart sitting in front of me from Bloomberg to your to exactly to your point. If you look at one day going back to 1937, the S&P 500, one day in the market, you have a 53.4% chance to have more money at the end of the day than at the beginning of the day. At one year, it's 77.6% chance that the market would be up. At three years, 87.3. But when you get out to 10 years, 97.3% of rolling 10-year periods of time going back to 1937, you've got more money than you started with. So that time diversification is such a big point. Absolutely. And it goes back to your point earlier in the show where you're like, hey, sometimes you just have to, you know, it's rocky, but you just have to sit back and, and even though you're not doing anything, there is there are things happening behind that. So that's time diversification is one of the best principles that people can uh, employ in their long-term investment plan. What about when you talk about time diversification? I've always thought of that as being that period of time between zero and two years. That's that's the mindset of investing or two, three to five years is, a, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a little midterm or not quite long-term. But anything over five or maybe over 10 is that long-term mentality. That's really not what you're talking about, is it? The time diversification is, is more more understanding the big picture of investing, not just in a small, like a bucket from zero to two and a bucket from, right. you know, from that standpoint. That's right. I mean, well, let's look at, you mentioned 401k or, or retirement plan. Let's think about that. A lot of people think that their time horizon is between whatever age they are and the date of retirement. Um, and a lot of people get that confused. Well, my time horizon is short, so I need to, you know, think this because I'm seven years away from retiring. But really your time horizon is from your date today till the day you may possibly die. Uh, and that could be like age 90 or 95. So you're always in this long, much longer term time horizon than people think. Jason, I get, I get that a lot. People on their 401ks, they've got all these dated funds and they're sitting there saying, I ought to get more conservative. I ought to get more conservative. And unfortunately, when you look at history, you know, years ago, Seven years was a, a, a decent retirement. You tired, retired at 65. You died at 62. Today, uh, 72. Excuse me. 72. Excuse me. 72. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not backwards. <laughs> okay. That would be impressive. That is a time travel. Okay, there. I was wrong. I made my mistake <laughs> for the year. Okay, 72. But today, I mean, you look at retirement. I mean, retirements are 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. That's right. Or sometimes even longer more. than they work. That's right. So you have to stay diversified with that in mind that that money has to last 30 years. And I tell people that when we're planning, I said, we've got to plan for, for 30 years here. I think that's probably one of the biggest changes. If a person's now finishing a 40 year work environment, when they started, they thought that mental thought was, if I get to 65, 66, I get my social security, I'll take my quote unquote pension, which probably went away somewhere in that period. And now they got something and maybe, and, and the 401k, and, and they were gonna retire in six, seven, eight years and be done. 
now you're talking about the 90-year-old. I mean, I've got a birthday today of a client that's 101. Wow. wow. I sent her flowers today. Good you for know, you. I did. Hey, man. Well, of course, I mean, 101, shucks. She, I ought to send her more than flowers. That's right. But uh, I'm going to go by and visit her later. Yeah, and that actually ties into the security topic, too. Um, you know, one of the uh, questions that I'll get from clients, Ted, is, is often, hey, where's that crossover point where if I take it, Social Security at like 65 versus 70, where's the crossover? And I'll say, you know, I, you can run the math and figure out maybe 81 or something. Here's the problem, though. It's, it's you know, this is this is all like risk management in some sense, right? So if you die, this, this is almost morbid, but if you die at 75, it, it stinks for your family, but you, obviously. But you won. Right, right. But here's, here, and but but planning for a 75, a death at 75 is not nearly as challenging. No. As 105. No, right? right. Because the longer you live, the more money you're spending. That's and right. we figured out how to keep people alive a long time. That's right. We that's have. Right. And that's even improving. I went to a thing about the futurist and it said literally we're looking in 30, but 2032, 110. Wow. 110. So, guys, this is a business that we have to be very sensitive to that. You mentioned the term, Steve, and I want to kind of move to it. Risk, you know, appropriate risk. And, Jason, help us with that. You talk about understanding time diversification, but risk, appropriate risk for a person. Because, obviously, you're having to take more risk if you've got to get it out to a longer period of time. Sure. And, I, you know, I think this is one of the things that I've seen in my 20-something years of being in this business that generally investors don't really realize the level of risk or lack of risk that their investment portfolio is actually exposed to. They select, and particularly when we're talking about retirement planning or 401ks, they select their investments based on, as Ted mentioned earlier, age, uh, an age-weighted portfolio, or the name looks cool. They select their, their investment program based on the same way my wife might do her March Madness pool. You know, I like the name of this, and if it, it works good. Uh, and what they find out is that their, uh, their investment program is much more risky than they even thought it was. And so there's some exercise you can do and talking to someone like Ted and Steve um, will help to go through some exercise to really determine what can you tolerate when the market is doing what it's doing today uh, in these short-term periods of time. And you go through these exercises to determine what is your appropriate risk tolerance. And that's important to know because if you're invested too risky, then you end up making some emotional decisions when you shouldn't. Um, and then if you're not invested risky enough, then you may have to save more or make some lifestyle changes when you retire because the money is just not there uh, for you to live on. All right. We've covered time diversification. You talked about risk. We've talked about managing emotions during the program. There's a couple of more of these things that I want people to understand. If if you if you want to know more about the seven principles of long-term investing, it's a PDF. We've offered it on our website, shoemakerfinancial.com. Just simply go to the website, search for the PDF, download Download it. It's absolutely free. Uh, but that's it. That's important. We want to make sure you people get this information because this information helps you manage emotions because it's teaching time diversification, knowing your risk tolerance. But uh, here's the thought, and this is what I, I really think people forget. Talking to someone recently that they had increased their 401k because of a program that we had done a couple of months ago. And the reality is helping people to get to that point. How do you ensure how does people understand they need to make those regular 
day-to-day regular contributions to the 401k. That's so critical. That is super critical. I mean, there, what people that are saving for retirement right now with the market being down, uh, what they don't realize is that there's a lot of money being made right now in the future for these regular contributions that are going in because they are buying it substantial Cheap. discounts right now. Uh, so market volatility, whereas for some it's painful and they have to sit on their hands, lose their passwords, not look at the news. Uh, for those of us who are out there regularly contributing to their 401k, uh, the impact of this kind of market for us long term is is pretty powerful. It's pretty substantial. And you know, when we talk about this, if, if I said to everybody listening right now that tomorrow, the grocery store, everything's going to be on sale 25% off. My wife would be there. I know that. <laughs> I would be there. Yeah. There would be things I would be there, especially if the meat department was going on That's sale right. 25% off. We would all go because it would be, hey, it's a sale. But no, we don't do that with the market. We we hesitate. We run from it. We, we think it's, oh my goodness, what's next? And you know, Steve, you talked about that the emotions of that and yet both of both both there both markets are on sale as, once the meat market once the stock market as as jason mentioned it may be a very good time for someone to increase what they're putting in their 401k right now that's a good point it is interesting that people will that it's a natural when you're talking about the meat sale you're going to go get that but it's a natural emotional reaction to say oh i don't i'm not sure i want to get in the stock market right now because it's oh, yeah. not doing well and, and that's like the exact opposite of a basic principle of buying low uh, and selling high if i couldn't say anything else to our listening audience we are for you and what we're just saying to you in a very clear i hope clear and concise way is even though the market and all the news media is telling us all the bad things about going on. We've been around long enough to know that even though it's bad, maybe today we do come out of it. And those that are in it when it's down and, and smelly and stinky and not good is the people that make the money coming out. But I want to make sure everybody understands past performance is not a guarantee to future performance. I also want you to understand diversification doesn't always guarantee it's a risk management tool and the idea of asset allocation, risk management tool, but it doesn't guarantee that you're not going to have ups and downs in the market and you're not going to lose money in the market. Understand, if the longer you stay at it, the more you're consistent, the more you push your emotions away. I think these guys have been very, very clear in understanding that. And I think you've done a good job, guys. We're not through yet. I want to, I want to lean in on Jason. Jason, you deal with a lot of young people. You're coaching a lot of our young people in the office, and they see a lot of young... What do you say to that young person if they're just getting into the work and they're saying, you know, I'm 25 years old. I, I really don't want to start my 401. What do you say? Well, I want to, if time permits, I'd like to say two things, but one for the young person, the power of getting started, we talked about time just a, a minute ago, the, the power and impact of getting started early, uh, is, is critical. Um, you see many times that someone who waits just five years will never, ever catch up to the person that started five years earlier. Uh, so for the young listeners out there, um, 
doing something uh, rather than doing nothing is a far better decision um, than you than they can imagine right now because the power of time is on their side uh, and they have 30 years of investment management uh, the, the final thing I want to say I heard Steve talking to some of our younger advisors yesterday I thought he said something that was extremely interesting for the listeners out there to know one of the principles and it ties into one of the principles of of investing is to know what you own um, and to understand that if you own value or a value fund, or if you own a growth fund, or if you own something that has exposure to uh, international marketplaces or or your bonds, is just to understand what you own and in, and what uh, how those investments will react in a given market and what they're supposed to do. Um, we were talking about correlation this morning before the show, and it just to understand what these investments should be doing when the market acts a little funny, both in the up and in the down. Um, and if you can understand that and talk to an investment professional to understand what these investments should be doing, that can mitigate a lot of noise out there that you're hearing. If you just understand that my value funds are value today. And so Steve, you could talk a little bit about that uh, this morning too. Yeah. I mean, the, the big thing is just, like you said, if you just have an, a little bit of an understanding of what you own, you look out in the marketplace and what's going on, you can you can just quickly kind of thumb, you know, lick your thumb, put it up, you can feel it, catch the breeze. And go, right. Oh, yeah, well, what's happening on this should be happening because that's, you know, that's exactly right. I mean, that that's that's a big key, knowing what you own. Ted, three-legged stool, how, how important is Social Security? Well, Social Security is the one thing, as I mentioned, the two things are important. Number one, it's tied to inflation. Number two is it's not fully taxed. Those are two things that make a Social Security dollar worth a lot more than a regular dollar. So well, the bottom line is, it's. I wanted you to say that. It's important to make sure you get the Social Security decision correct. And that's critical. Because of inflation. There you go. There you go. My mistake, man. No problem. Takeaway, it's better to hang on, I think, than ride this whole idea of not jump ship and not get too emotional. Make sure that making you're looking at your Social Security is a part of your planning tool. Guys, thanks so much. Uh, appreciate so much what you do. Thank you for doing the show with me this morning. I want to thank these guys again, Steve Anderson, Jason Harrington, Ted Miner. If you have questions for Steve, Jason, or Ted, you can reach them at 901-757-5757. You can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. We appreciate it. Next week, Daniel Irwin with the Better Business Bureau scams in the 901. Scott Jordan will talk again about some of the updates of the economy and Chen and Dyson employer benefits to help employers retain and attract top talent. You might be surprised. That's Saturday mornings at 7 and Sunday at 12 noon. If you have questions, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We want to thank you so much for listening. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Steve Anderson, Jason Harrington, and Ted Miner are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker.